But that really speaks to a lot of stereotypes. And, and I, I want to tell you this, that laughing is a good thing. So tonight when we have 242 groups start, don't feel bad about laughing. In fact, people bond when they laugh. So if you think about when you first went on a date, hopefully when you begin to laugh about stuff, there's a bond that happened when you laugh. And so that's okay. So we're not saying you can't have a good time by having that parody there. But it's speaking to speaking to our fear of community, our fear of Christian community, our fear of small groups. And I want us, I want us to address that today because what I am doing today, I'm going to spend some time on 242 groups. And here's the reason why. It's the first point I'm going to make today is that community is not, is, is a lifestyle, not a program. So today here, I'm not wanting you just to fill up our program. Have you ever been part of a church before where you just kind of felt like you were a number so you could reach some kind of quota? As if there's a minimum amount that they have to have in each Sunday school class or group. When that happens, that can devalue us. And it's really a very low motivator. Can I tell you today that I am speaking to you about the value of 242 groups, not because I'm trying to build a program. It's because I believe you are called to Christian community. I believe your life is going to be better, more fulfilled, reflect more of what Jesus has called you to be when you realize that Christian community is part of your life and part of your calling. And one of the, my hopes, if you sit under my ministry for any extended amount of time, is one of my hopes is that for the rest of your life, wherever God may have you be, that you will value Christian community and realize that you need other Christians to be part of your life and you need to be part of other Christians' life also. Now, Jesus believed, he believed very much in Christian community and he modeled Christian community for us. Jesus lived his life very differently with how we define what a successful life is. We, we kind of have this panic or stress in our life as if we have to squeeze out of every day every ounce of optimal plan where we don't waste any time. And we hear these great talks. I've given them before too about your life is just the dash between each date and you've got to make every day count and you've got to live for, you can't waste your time because time's taking away and you only have one life to live. And those are helpful when it comes to motivation, but I think they're incomplete in reflection of who Jesus is. And I want to remind you that Jesus lived the majority of his life in obscurity. His ministry was three years, but the first 30 years of his life, he worked what some may define or what we could guess was a mundane job as a carpenter. And his life was about going to work and eating meals with his family and going to weddings. We knew that. And Jesus had time for conversation and Jesus had time for relationships. And so often we don't have time for that because we have caused our life to be so hectic and busy that there's no room for margin and that addiction to busyness makes us feel important and it makes us feel significant, but we're missing a very important part of the Christian life. And that's the life Jesus 
has called us to. And if you read the book of Mark, the book of Mark is a very fast-paced book. We've been working through the book of Mark on and off for the last five years. And you'll notice that Jesus treated success differently than we treat success. He reacted to success much differently. He didn't try to market his success or optimize his success or feel like he had this one moment of opportunity and he had to make it all work in this little window. He was working underneath the sovereign God. And we see here in Mark chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea and the great multitude followed. And this is our definition of success. A big crowd, a good following, fame, notoriety, popularity. And so in our thinking, you need to market this. You need to take advantage of this window of opportunity. You need to suck all of the life out of this moment, this what we call the 15 minutes of fame, and, and need to make sure that you use this, quote, platform. But a little bit later in the scripture, look how Jesus responded in verse 13. Then he went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. The idea that Jesus actually avoided the crowd. He didn't avoid it in a complete abandonment, but he ministered to the crowd for the appropriate time. Jesus, who was perfection himself, led by the Holy Spirit, then intentionally withdrew, and he called certain people to his life. There's certain people that he chose to be part of his life. I want you to understand this concept is that there are certain people God wants you to call to be part of your life that are going to be part of your inner circle that's not wrong, that's a strategy for spiritual health, that's a model that Jesus set for us. We see this continue in chapter 6, I believe it is, excuse me, chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 10, where it says it this way. That's Mark 4, 10, right there in sequence. When he was alone, this is Mark, Mark chapter 4. When he was alone with the 12, those who were with, without him asked about parables. When he was alone with the 12. Here it is that the greatest revelations Jesus gave, the greatest insights we have, were not necessarily to a huge crowd of people. But they were when he withdrew and was alone with the 12 and dialogue happened and conversation happened. That's one of the models of our 242 groups that I want you to see. Uh, this is a model on Sunday morning that I particularly like because you are a captive audience. All of the chairs are facing me and I have a microphone and you are at my mercy right now. You have to hear whatever I say and, and most, most of you don't leave until I say you can leave. Uh, this is... A one model. Now, I have referenced in recent sermons the power of the spoken word, both scripturally and in life. So I do believe this is a valid way of communication uh, of a person finding out what he believes the Lord is saying to the church. But another model that I want you to think about is if you are in a circle and you could take chairs like this that are in a circle or it may be couches and chairs that are in a circle, not a perfect circle. But the idea is this, facing someone else. And now there's not a monologue, one person talking to a group. But there's a dialogue, one person speaking and the others responding. That is what 242 is about. And there's growth in that. Jesus, when he was alone with the 12, 
Those who were around him asked him about the parables and revelation and truth happened. This also happened in Mark chapter 6. It says the apostles, this is verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered uh, the, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. He said to them, look at this phrase, come away by yourselves to a remote place. And here's an important word for us today, and rest. Do you know that rest sometimes is with people you're close to? The idea here is come away by yourselves, plural. So this isn't just solitude, which is you being alone. But the idea is that there's a smaller group that you could come away and rest with and be with and that you can be yourself. You are known and you know those who are in your group. He said, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For Look at this phrase. For many people were coming and going. Does that not feel like our lives right now? Just this activity, people coming and going, the mobile society we live in, we're moving all over the country, we're moving in and out, we're moving in and out of churches, we're moving in and out of school systems, we're moving in and out of neighborhoods, even even when we live geographically somewhere, we're upsizing and downsizing and in and out. For many people are coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Moving on to verse 32. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. Do you see how Jesus is modeling Christian community to you? He's saying that there's times that we need to get away with people we trust, get away with people we love, get away with people with whom we can be safe, get alone with people with whom we can rest. Part of resting is dropping superficiality, not being fake, not being phony, not trying to impress with our words, or impress with our resume, or impress with our money, or impress with our titles, but to simply be ourselves. There's great rest when you can live life authentically with people you love. That's why Christian community is an investment, guys. You have to believe that God's called you to it and you need it. And if God's called you to it and you need it, I just want to implore you to go ahead and schedule Christian community. Don't make it optional. Don't make it when you feel like it. Don't do it just if all, if everything aligns and there's nothing better else to do. If you invest in Christian community, your life will become richer and deeper and better, and when you look back on this era of your life, you'll realize that nothing was more important than the Christian community that you were a part of. That's why here at our church, we have a very distinct schedule that we've developed through years of experience. This is something that I believe in. When I talk with other pastors, this is they ask me questions about our church. This model has been reproduced from our church with a lot of pastors who've tried to figure out how best, how best to implement small groups. Basically, our small groups, our 242 groups, only meet about 20 to 22 times a year. We believe in the power of short-term commitment. And so it begins tonight. Tonight begins our fall semester of Christian community. And the dates you see on the screen, 
guys, this is it. These are the dates. These are the dates for 242. Between now and mid-January. The idea behind this, and it's a powerful idea, is short-term commitment. Often in church world, we feel like, you know, we join a group, a Sunday school class, or we teach a children's class that we are stuck for eternity with that group of people. If we open up our home and begin to host a small group forever and ever and ever and ever, our Sunday night is occupied. There's never going to be a break. There's never going to be a chance to push back against some of those fears and to, and to really let the power of short-term commitment come alive. These are the dates. We'll start tonight. We intentionally skip next week. This is every other Sunday. So we'll skip Labor Day. You'll see the dates there. October 6th might be kind of a tough one. That's the beginning of fall break in Sumner County. But not everyone leaves town for fall break. And so those of us who are, remain will meet. Then October 20th and then November 17th which is 11 days before Thanksgiving this year. Our last 242 group will happen. We won't meet again until January. So the idea is put these dates on your calendar. Make a commitment to them. Say, this is an investment in myself and in Christian community. We're going to start tonight and every other Sunday night. We're just going to do this and within reason. Within reason and make that a priority. And so what it will do is this, it will create momentum when our church is on the same schedule and we're doing the same thing. It's not this random deal where some groups are canceling and some groups aren't meeting. It's the power, the power of showing up. Because when you show up, good things happen. So we are mindful of the rhythms of our community. We're mindful of the busy holiday season. We're mindful of some of the challenges and we want to be in step with those challenges to help you succeed in Christian community, to help our group succeed. And so it is, it just takes a commitment. Now, here's the truth. You are not going to go to a group tonight for the first time and magically find Christian community just like just because you showed up one time. It takes, here's my second point, it takes time and repetition. Community takes time and it takes repetition. Often, we misjudge our experience in Christian community because of one 242 group that didn't go that well. Or we misjudge it because of one women's Bible study that wasn't just as exciting as we anticipated. Or we misjudge Christian community because the one Sunday we decided to go to men's Bible study was the one Sunday they canceled. And so we think it's not for us. Can I just encourage you? Christian community doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen magically. It takes time. It takes repetition. It takes conviction to say, I believe God's called me to this. I believe Jesus has modeled it. I believe it's important. I'm going to keep showing up. I, I believe that our church has a reasonable schedule that, that accommodates a life in the suburbs. I believe that I can make a commitment to this and I can show up and I can make it a priority. And when you do... It can create a momentum in your life. A lot of things that have happened good to people spiritually has come just because they continued to show up at the place they were supposed to be. I think about Rebecca in the Bible who probably showed up every day to water the camels. But I'm glad for her sake and our sake that she showed up on the particular day that Abraham's men were looking for a wife 
Because when she showed up and watered the camels, that regular day was a day that her destiny was open. She just kept showing up. I think about David, who was protecting, he was protecting the property of his family. And he killed bears and he killed lions without fanfare and without maybe anyone seeing. We don't know this. But he developed skills that he didn't know would save a nation because he kept showing up, kept doing what he was supposed to do. Think about Gideon, who was in the wine press doing his chores. And on that particular night, the angel of the Lord showed up in that wine press. There's something about showing up and doing what you're supposed to do. So I want to encourage you, time and repetition. That starts with settling your roots with a particular church. And I just want you to know that when you say, hey, this is my church and this is where God's called me. And despite the adversity or despite the preference, I'm going to let my roots go down deep and I'm going to stay here and I'm just going to keep showing up and let God, God produce miracles in my life. Time and repetition is what's needed for community, but God's going to bring that to you. Number three is this, community is built through adversity. It's not built through superficiality. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds good, doesn't it? It's not not built through just perpetual shallowness. It's the tough times. It's the challenging times when we're there for one another. I can tell you story after story about 242 groups and how members of 242 groups have been there for each other in this church. I have a very special view and that I know a lot of information about these different groups. And if I told, talked about one group, it would give an injustice to another. There have been significant life events in every 242 group that members have demonstrated Christ's love to one another. This applies to our women's Bible study. This applies to our men's Bible study. This applies to Exit 7 Youth Ministry. Can I just tell you this? That the reason that I paid for my children to go to every trip they could for Exit 7 Student Ministry is because I'm investing in Christian community for them. I want them to get Christian community. That's an investment for our kids, for you. It is built through adversity. Tough times, tough times will come. Jesus said that. He said, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. In this world, there will be trouble. But I have overcome the world. So we know that until he asserts his rule and reign and and it appears visibly to rule and reign this world, that there's going to be trouble. Christian community, God has given it as a gift to help you get through the tough times, to help you get through the hard times. But here's the deal. You won't have Christian community when you need Christian community if you don't invest in it. The investment produces the depth of relationship. The investment produces the opportunity. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a great statement. It says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. Now, we, we can all agree upon this Readily, That's probably why most of us are at church today. But look at this other phrase, so powerful. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Can I just make a note that this really isn't talking simply about different 
agencies throughout the city that help the whole community, which those are great. I mean, we support them financially and emotionally. All the different agencies that help the poor or help the struggling, those are good. But this is talking specifically, guys, about us with one another, brothers and sisters. This is how, this is how we know. We should lay down our lives for our brothers. Now let's spill into verse 17. Verse 17 says, if anyone has this world's good and sees his brothers in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in them, in him? What a tough question. In verse 18, little children, we must not love with word or speech, but with truth and action. That's what God's called us to. Let me ask you a question as we move towards closing here. When was a time in your life, I hope you've experienced this, and I'm guessing most of us, maybe all of us have had this experience where there's been one time in your life when you experienced teamwork in a very satisfying way. For some of you with a military background, it could have been through the military, could have been through a sports team, could have been through a marching band, could have been through a co-workers, that you, you had a team of co-workers that you really worked together to accomplish a project could be through your education through a cohort and you worked with a group of students but you, you experienced teamwork at a great level and whenever you have that experience my my life experience is is th- those are windows of time but because things change when, when you really start experiencing uh, community or teamwork here on this earth value every day and love every moment because life circumstances will change that. But I believe those great experiences, those positive experiences, when we're in our community sweet spot, like, like we just love being with this group of people and, and we feel accepted and we feel affirmed and we feel loved. I believe God has given those opportunities to us and those moments to us to give us a foretaste, to give us a first fruit, to give us an idea of what he has for us in heaven. The apostle John, he was able to see through the book of Revelation what will be. He was able to see a future that has not yet occurred. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, I love this scripture so much because it gives me so much hope for our future. It gives me so much hope for evangelism. It gives me so much hope for this planet and this world. John said these words or wrote these words that after this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number. And going on, he says this, standing before the throne and before the lamb, they were robed in white with palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. That's Revelation 7, verse 9 through 10. Look at verse 9 again. Look at this foretaste we have of Christian community, this ideal of Christian community. This is not something mythical. This is not something that's uh, idealistic. This is a reality before us in heaven someday. I looked, there were a vast multitude, every nation, tribe, people, language. No one could number. These people were praising God. These people were worshiping God. And we will be part of this group. We 
will be part of this people. So there's coming a day when Jesus is the center of our relationships. And in that day, there will be no more gossip. And there will be no more infighting. And there will be no more deceit. And there will be no more backbiting. And there will be no more deception. And there will be no more malice. There will be no hatred. There will be no cut downs. There will be no bullying. There will be no inappropriate words. There will be a Christ-centered, Jesus-exalting community that revolves around him. There will be a Christian community of people who know him and are known by him and known one another. And I want you to know that when we experience Christian community here on earth, a window is open. A window is open into the heavens. And we have a chance. We have a chance to declare the kingdom of God is here through our relationships and through our love. Can you say amen to that? All right, I got to preaching, and now I've got to work myself out of my, my sermon because this is what I want to do. The last thing we're going to do today before I dismiss, we've had a wonderful service today. We've worshiped. We've been to the Lord's table. We've prayed for those in need. Um, it's been a wonderful day. So we're going to close this service out today by uh, a very practical exercise. I want to introduce some of our leaders that are here today. I want you to see them. So when I give the benediction in a few minutes, uh, you can connect with them by simply introducing yourself, uh, by asking specific questions regarding their group. And I think that would be a wonderful...